Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. This episode is a big Q&A, where we explore an area of marketing through a leading industry expert. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today I'll be talking to Clark Boyd, a digital marketing expert and author based in London, all about voice search. Clark has worked around the world, helping brands like Adidas and American Express shape their digital strategy. He trains digital marketers through a variety of institutions and programs, including Google, Cambridge University, Imperial College London and Columbia University. Clark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Will. Good to be here. Where are you joining us from today? I am in the same place I've been for the last five weeks, which is to say my spare room in the flat. So (laughs) I'm getting very comfortable in here. Wow. Is that in London? In London, yeah. So first of all, can you just define what voice search is and how people are using it today? Yes. So voice search is a search where the input is spoken by the user to a search engine or a digital assistant like Siri or Alexa. So different to the traditional search where you would type a word in, we would be speaking. Now, the search engine then interprets the query and provides a response from its index of web pages. So pretty similar to traditional search there. The response could be spoken by the digital assistant. So we might speak to it and it speaks back, but we might speak to the assistant and it shows us results on a screen like a traditional search results page. Normally, the responses are given in a snippet of information, quite a a short piece of information. Just because people are on the go, they don't want to listen to a long answer coming through from, uh, from a search engine. Now, another point I would I would point out on this actually is that a lot of people conflate voice actions with voice search. And I think it is more than just just a pedantic point actually to, to demarcate the two. So when we ask Siri or the Google Assistant to play some music or set a timer or add something to our calendar, that's really just a voice action. So we're providing a spoken command and it carries out the task. A lot of studies that I've seen would count this as, as voice search, but for marketers, I don't think it's all that significant. There's not much that we can do there as, as brands to, to intervene or to shape any behavior. A voice search is when the user is asking for some information. So it's the same distinction as, say, between setting a reminder in your calendar yourself and asking Google for the best restaurants nearby. Now, one is voice actions, the other is voice search. Now, how people are using it. This is a tricky question because it shouldn't be, but it, but it actually is because we don't see the data split out, for example, in Search Console. There have been lots of rumors that this is, is coming and in beta, and we, we will see um, a filter so we can split queries by text or by voice. But as it stands, we're relying on a few different studies and that sort of thing, which are you know, sometimes reliable, sometimes not. But the core benefit for users of voice search is, is convenience. It's when they're driving, when they're cooking, when they just need a brief update on the weather or news. And there's a novelty factor, you know, which I think is fading. I think people have asked Google for enough jokes and things by this stage that they're, they're getting a little bored of it. But to bring this through to what it means for marketers. So if people are searching by voice and we'll discuss in more detail, I'm sure, whether that is very much the case, they tend to speak in natural language. So it's not the blunt instrument of keywords when people speak to a search engine. 
And that, I think, is the really key point for marketers to understand. If they were saying the exact same thing that they were typing before, I wouldn't find that interesting. How would that alter my strategy? Not really. The customer wants the same thing at the other end. If they're speaking and they're revealing something more, then I can do more through my content. I can connect with them in a different way. So to use an example, if I were to search, say, on Google for, look at what I'm wearing today, gray Oxford shirt. (laughs) I might just type in men's shirts, go to a website, and I would do the filtering myself. If I were speaking to Google, it would be very strange to just say men's shirts and then wait for the results to come up. I might say, gray shirt, nothing fancy. To make clear that <laughs> I'm not a fancy man. I don't want anything crazy. That might seem like a, a pernickety point, but it's actually really revealing because the assistant can do more with that information. If you were a brand trying to connect with customers and you sold fancy shirts, well, you wouldn't want to bid on that keyword because you would know it's not your, your audience. There's more being revealed there. So the assistant can take me through to something more appropriate. But <laughs> we've got their input. I'm saying gray shirt, nothing fancy. We've got a search engine in the middle. We need brands on the other side to create the right content there. How are they matching to those intent states? How are they creating content that can be served up for that result. But is it not the search platforms that are mapping that customer need to an existing content on the web? Because that would make the most sense for someone like Google, right? Well, that's that's kind of the problem, is that they're matching it to existing content and the existing content is all written in blunt keywords. So they would take me to a men's shirts page when actually there's a better user experience there, which would take you through to you know, what you're actually looking for. So if I were searching for a keyword that's really expensive for paid search, like business insurance, that can mean so many things. Brands will pay north of 20 pounds per click to get people through on something like business insurance. What do I mean? Am I looking to find my provider to make a claim? Do I need more information? Am I trying to compare? Do I want to take out a small business policy? We don't reveal those things through keywords. If we start revealing more through spoken keywords, it gives people an opportunity to create better content that maps to those intent states. It's not about the keyword matching. It's about mapping to the different intents that people might have, different styles, different needs, whatever they may be. That's interesting. So yeah, you're saying that voice search queries, because they're in natural language, they just carry much richer information that we can uh, that we, that allows us as brands to meet a more specific need more directly, more quickly, and really offer the convenience uh, and directness that voice search potentially offers. Yeah, I think if people are speaking, it sounds a bit trite and glib, but if they're speaking more, brands should be listening more. <laughs> they should be trying to capture that, turn it into something more useful. In your webinar, you did a webinar about voice search for the Digital Marketing Institute, um, which is very interesting. Uh, in the membership area. And um, you talk about the differing adoption of that behavior around the world, which I thought was really interesting in that you said that we are, we're coming from, we're slowly adapting, whereas some markets are just leapfrogging altogether. You know, they haven't been stuck on kind of, uh, you know, old behaviors so much because they just haven't had much technology at all knocking around. They're moving straight to uh, natural language-based interfaces. Tell me a bit more about that. I'm very glad you asked. It's a, 
a passion topic of of mine. Uh, I think that in Western markets in particular, we have, because of technological constraints, we have learned different behaviors. So we have, we're used to having uh, internet connected devices all around us. We're used to searching and we've learned to search in ways like searching for business insurance, searching for men's shirts, because we're, yeah, we're result oriented. We're trying to get to the, the product at the end of the search query, but it's more natural for us to speak. We're even seeing this in how, well, things like podcasts are taking off at the moment. People are listening more. They're speaking more to computers. There are voice blog platforms coming out now. So it's not about typing your blog post. But this is all because uh, computers have, have understood text much better. Now that they're starting to understand language, those who are just getting online or getting their first device or you know getting vital services for the first time, they're able to go straight online through voice. Now, there are, I found it staggering, but um, the, the UNESCO figures said there are 700 million adults worldwide who remain illiterate, which, you know, is obviously pretty shameful, but it's a, it's a fact. And they're now getting devices from the likes of Google and Facebook with a big button in the middle where they can just press it and speak to the device and it will take them straight to what they need to do. So, for me, for example, or perhaps for you, Will, it's sometimes a little awkward to speak to a device. It just feels weird. It's not what we're used to. Speaking is a little more intimate than typing. For a lot of other people, that's not so much the case. And it's a cultural thing as well. You know, it's not just about those, those facts. And my partner, Argentinian, so I hear the voice memos going all the time and the voice chats for, through WhatsApp all the time which to me would feel very, very strange. <laughs> In spite of doing a lot of these things, I hate the sound of my own voice. But there's a lot of people who are you know, sending voice memos. And when I've spoken to them to say, why is this more useful for you? Yes, they say it's faster. I don't need to use my hands. But they also say, and I think this is key, it removes the ambiguity. When you text someone, you often use emojis you know, to say, you know, that wasn't passive aggressive, by the way. You know, I, I'm being genuine here. But when you speak, you give away a lot more. There's, there's a huge amount in your, your tone and your intonation, emotions, all of those things. So I think on a, on a global scale, and you know, Google has said they expect India to be the first uh, voice-driven market, obviously a very significant and large market. If we look ahead five, 10 years, we have a lot of people growing up for whom it's no longer strange to speak to their devices and if they find it more useful, if they find it faster, and if the results are better, why wouldn't they keep doing it? Absolutely, yeah. And we've seen that happen with so many technologies previously in our lifetime. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real-life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game sign up for free now back to the podcast okay so obviously our audience listening are uh, predominantly marketers um what are the kpis what are the the metrics that a marketer today can drive through voice search both in the short term so what are the kind of quick wins but also what foundations should we be putting down for that kind of longer term strategy it's always interesting with voice search because it, it has all of this hype around it and you know this real buzz status. 
it was everything that people were talking about. Every conference you went to in like 2016, 2017, there was just stats about voice search that always started in 2020 or by 2022, you know, and yeah, there, there was a lot of hype. And um, I think maybe some marketers have taken their eye off the ball because they're like, well, that didn't immediately deliver some results. Um, but they're clearly, from what you're saying, they're clearly is going to be a real gain to taking notice of this. So, uh, yeah, I'm just interested to know what we can be doing as marketers now. Yeah, because that's what I've been thinking about since going to, well, maybe the same conferences and hearing the same lines and the same, well, lies <laughs> in a lot of instances, you know. And it's, it's all self-serving. So many of those presentations will end with, oh, and here's the name of our marketing agency. If you don't want to be left behind, <laughs> yeah. if you don't want to go completely bust, you'll get in touch with us and we'll fix it for you. But I kept scraping away at that and trying to figure out, is this just a complete nonsense or is there something behind it? And when I started looking at you know, the companies that are spending billions of dollars on this, and if you look at where we are today, which, as I mentioned earlier, we're looking at setting timers, asking short questions. People like Google and Amazon aren't bad business people. <laughs> they don't want to spend billions of dollars just to set our timers. They don't care about whether we want to hear a song. That's not interesting. They want us to speak and they want to be able to, to give responses. And when I've been looking at it as, you know, what can you do today? So you're, you're thinking of voice search optimization. Well, it's tricky when you don't know which queries exactly are voice. So what you end up doing, and I don't think this is a bad thing, actually, is you're focusing more on mobile. You're focusing on more natural language content. And you're thinking of that usage behavior, whether it's expressed through text or through speech, isn't really all that important. The thing is that you as a brand on the other side are connecting with people. You're providing the information that they need. So there are two key areas that I've been looking at that I can't, I can't say I would put it down as voice search strategy. And you, know, you can draw a line in the sand. And if you do these things, you'll see 20% more voice search traffic in three months. Pretty much impossible to do that. But I do think you can look at two areas. The first is how you structure your content. And the second is the, the style of the content, how you say it. So when you're looking at structuring content, and I've seen whether people are coming through voice or, or not, huge increases in traffic for, for clients and for myself, just by structuring content into these succinct fragments that respond to specific query categories. So we used to think of, we'd look at a landing page and think, what's the purpose of this page? Why does it exist? Why is it on the website? What queries and keywords does that answer, that landing page? Yeah, exactly. And, and now we can we can look at the whole page and break it down further and say, okay, this section of content, what intense state are we responding to? How are we helping someone get something done here? And you know, I speak to some clients in that way and they think, oh God, here we go. This is going to be, you know, the, the whole page isn't going to read as one piece of content. But of course it can still flow. You know, the, the average piece of content from which Google pulls a snippet has over 2,000 words. Now, Google isn't pulling 2,000 words into the rich snippet. It's just pulling that succinct fragment that answers that query exactly. Now, you can't know how it will be phrased. As I mentioned, I might say, men's shirt, nothing fancy. <laughs> I'd say, gray shirt with no stripes. That's, that's potentially the same thing, actually. You know, linguistically, if you bring it down to its nub, you're saying something very similar there. So I try and map that out within the pages and think, 
what could this, so even under things like H1, H2, H3, what are we putting there that could be a response to something that would be helpful to a user? Putting yourself in the best position to be served for those responses. And you can research common questions. You, know, you can use those within your content. It's, you know, there are numerous tools that will allow you to see the, the search volume for different questions. And you don't have to just create an FAQ page. I've seen that as essentially voice search strategy. You know, add an FAQ page and just answer everything there. But that's not the experience that, that Google is looking for. In fact, if that question and answer is contained in a much longer piece of content, that shows more authority, that shows more trust. You know, that suggests that you are serious about answering it and not just going for the rich snippet. So think about those points of friction, look at the customer journey along the way, what might be the things that they ask. Don't focus so much on whether they might speak or might type it. If they speak, sure, they might give more information and that's great, but it's still a customer looking to achieve something, looking to find something. Yeah, still on a ser- on a written search results page on a screen. It's yeah. it's still useful because that's how Google serve, tries to serve the best answer to your question. Um, and how important is it that that content is in some way tagged up, or is it just is is the main thing just that it's it's useful and it answers the question? I think anywhere, pretty much that you can be using structured data to mark up uh, different aspects of your content, it's usually a good idea to do it. So those will help a search engine to navigate. If you if you even just conceptualize what is happening with a search engine, someone says something and it has to go and look for the exact piece of information within all the pages, within all the apps, everything that's out there and answer it very quickly. They could hedge their bets before and say, look, we don't know, here's 10 links, take your pick. But now it's having to say, no, not just that, here's the paragraph that answers that more clearly. But I think what tends to happen there is that people try and game that system. So every time something comes out, like FAQ, schema, Q&A, people will go in and mark everything up. Google has already said, we're not looking for that. These should be specific help pages. You see it working. You know, Car insurance companies and the like have been doing very well out of it. But I wouldn't, and I've, I say this because I've fallen foul of this kind of thing. I've found a little trick that'll get me more traffic. And then I start projecting the next year, assuming that will stay the same. Google will close those loopholes. Mm-hmm. So I would think more about, you know, if it's images, if it's, you know, the company name, using um, schema.org markup is really helpful there. When you're looking at things like Q&A pages and Q&A sections, think more about whether you're just trying to trick Google into giving you that snippet or whether it's it's valid. I haven't been using that that format for my my snippets that I have on on lots of different queries. It's just been about answering a question very succinctly and directly and hopefully with more authority than somebody else does. Well that that answers the question. I mean because I suppose just for anyone listening who's not sure what we're talking about in terms of markup. Yes, there are uh, there are ways uh, you can find out about a schema.org that you can basically uh, tag and demarcate your content as being certain types of content to make it easier for search engines to know whether it's an FAQ page or a, a recipe or what have you, right? Um, but yeah, I agree. I think what's clearly happening is Google Google's smarter than that. You know, we can't underestimate how clever Google is. Google, has, it's been their business for decades now to find the best answer to your question. And it will do that, whether that's marked up or what, you know, it, it will it will find the paragraph that meets your need, your informational need, won't it? 
Um, but it was also, it was still hedge its bets with a few other questions below that, you know, and did, did you kind of, you know, did you mean this? But um, clearly for marketers today, the goal is to be as useful as possible in terms of meeting the informational needs of the audience. Um, but it's really interesting what you say about that granularity going beyond landing pages and actually thinking about each paragraph and saying, what question does this answer? But then obviously, you know, because like you say, Google seems to favor longer content and it's less about, you know, clients sometimes talk to me about, we need some SEO content, which I hate that phrase because it's like, well, you just want to pump out thousand word articles that you think are keyword rich. Google doesn't really want articles. Google wants resources. Google wants guides, doesn't it? It wants several thousand words of authoritative content on the topic that it can pull a paragraph out of, but as a whole is the best resource for that informational need on the internet. Um, so voice search just kind of cherry picks from that, clearly. It's, it's really interesting hearing you talk about that. Um, but I, I suppose what a lot of brands... When, when we talk to brands about that, what they struggle with is how do I go beyond serving up cold informational searches and get into, you know, stuff that's more brand led? How does a big automotive brand or, you know, a big fizzy drinks brand play into that? Because they can't answer these, you know, how far is the moon from the sun and what's the weather going to be like tomorrow type questions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I've been thinking a lot about because at first when clients were asking me, and this is back in you know, agency days, and clients would say, oh, voice search is going to be big. I've seen this stat about how everyone's going to be you know, searching by voice. And they would be, say, an automotive brand or, or something like that. And I think, well, if someone searches for something that's relevant to you and you are the answer that is spoken by Google, you're not getting the click. You're not getting really the traffic through. You're not even seeing who these people are. You might see that you've been served up as a snippet, but that's about the best you're going to get. And at the end of the day, you want to sell cars. <laughs> that's, and we as marketers are in, in the industry of shaping behaviors, of, of understanding people and of persuading people. Are we driving towards that goal, no pun intended, by answering these really flippant little informational queries. And often the answer to that is, is no, not really. So I avoided doing that altogether. I think it's much more important in those instances to think, and this is, I mentioned, you know, kind of two ways I'm looking at it, which is the structure of the information, but then the style of it. So if you're going to be read out, how are you going to make some sort of impact on the end user? Are you going to sound like a Wikipedia page? You know, you've got the keywords in there, so you get you get spoken by Google. Fine. Will people even remember that that was you? Is it really worth putting all your effort into this just for really you know vanity metrics? We we people win awards for this kind of thing, voice search innovation, and. I hate when people reduce that down and just say, yeah, but what did it mean for revenues? But what did it even mean for the next stage? You know, did that person come back? Did they download a brochure at some stage? And that's where we're seeing some brands experiment. And it's not implemented yet, but we're seeing them start 
to experiment with more kind of dynamic ways of responding to those queries. So, for example, if someone were to search, should I get Geico car insurance? That's a brilliant opportunity if you're, you're Geico to say something. Now, at the moment, and for those not, not initiated Geico, like the biggest ad spender in the world, but you know, massive insurer in the US. And that would be a great opportunity for them. If you search that now by voice, you get you know, just an FAQ page, something really, really dry. Now, we're expecting those of us in the, in the industry of, of keeping up the speed with these things, which is a sad hobby, um, but one that, I, one that I have, we're expecting, it sounds like we're a little club or something, but we're, we're expecting to see this year that the Google Assistant will become much more deeply integrated in the Google Chrome browser. So at the moment, it's very difficult with those queries because you wouldn't just say, you know, buy me a BMW and Google goes and does it, you know, <laughs> or maybe you would, I don't know, but... Uh, <laughs> Depends who you are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those of us in the industry of keeping up the speed with voice search aren't, aren't making that kind of that kind of dough. But um, you might you might say something like, uh, you know, ask for specs or something like that, and that, that could be fine, it's, that's okay. But what if you were able to integrate your brand voice into the response? What if you had a skill or an action that was about essentially like a friendly car salesman guy. Uh, not, I don't know if they exist, but you could, you could create one and have a bit of a brand voice. Now, I, I mentioned Geico and I, I did purposefully because uh, for those of you that might've seen it, they are a huge ad spender and they have a little gecko guy who is ubiquitous. Now he's on baseball fields. He's all over the website, except when you go to the specific policy pages. And then it is the most... Uh, but I can pick on Geico. They're big enough to be, be picked on in these instances, but everybody's the same. They're, they're no worse or better than anyone else. It's all SEO content, just what you mentioned, Will, a thousand words of SEO content. And this is a huge, huge, huge company. So they're not even providing the opportunity for something um, a little more stylistic that has their brand voice. And I think as a brand, you know, if you're thinking, well, okay, these things might be happening, but maybe they're not. What can I do today? Well, at least consider what your content sounds like when it's read out. Would you be proud to have that read out by Google? Would you want people to hear it? Or is it just SEO content that you've put on the page? It's a good point, isn't it? Because with the way it's structured on your website, you might think, well, no one visits these pages. And if they do visit these pages, they understand it's like the corporate kind of back end of the website that you might accidentally wander into. But search engines don't see websites like that. They just look across the whole website and go, where's the answer to this question? And that might be on your yeah, your policy page or some really dry page that doesn't sound like your brand at all. And they've encountered all this marketing, at, yeah, mascots at baseball games and funny TV ads. And then they're getting this kind of, you know, lawyer read into them. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really good point that to make sure that even your, you know, your terms and conditions, like every bit of content on your website reads like your brand. Um, because yeah, whilst at the moment we can't actually have our own voice, literally, we, we, that may well, that will, will come in future. We, it's the, it's the words and the way things are phrased that, uh, convey who we are, you know. If you look at, you know, a retailer and you know, they sell, they're selling trainers, look at actually somebody like an Adidas, 
if you go through a traditional journey as a user, which is you would go to the homepage, you see all of these great graphics and all the great stuff about the brand, and then you move through to categories and you look at different products, you have seen a lot of other information. So if the landing page you arrive at, you, you go onto the trainer's page, if it has a couple of hundred words at the bottom stuffed with keywords, it doesn't ruin your experience. You, you can ignore that. You, you, you're, we're kind of trained to know that yeah. no matter the brand, whether it could be a, a high luxury fashion brand and they will have that, that piece of content. And why, why is it there? Well, because it has worked. You know, <laughs> it has actually had a real tangible benefit. You know, I've, I've written some of those descriptions. I've <laughs> been party to this. I, I, I can't uh, wipe my hands off it altogether. That's how search engines have worked. They've needed something to cling to. Can't read the images and it's, it's quite difficult for them. But now we need to think, what if that piece of content was the only thing that the user saw on the whole website? What if they searched for trainers and Google searched up that little bit of content? Is it even worth ranking for that if all you're going to say is trainers online, trainers UK, get your trainers from Adidas today? I'm not sure it's really, really that worth it anymore. And it's not as effective as it was. It's, as we've been discussing, exactly what Google is trying to get beyond. That's the point of all these expensive natural language processing algorithms is to you know, understand the meaning behind language and not just read those keywords. So it's absolutely, you know, terms and conditions, FAQs, but the product pages as well are a real focal point. And some people are starting to notice this now, just how absurd it is <laughs> if you remove SEO content from its context and look at it on its own as I've done in many a spreadsheet. But, uh, but yeah, think about how that actually sounds. And you can play these things out. You know, there are plenty of tools online. Put your content in and it'll read it to you and think, what if someone did search for something high purchase intent and all they heard was keywords back from our brand? So to sort of summarize, anyone listening who really wants to make a first step into optimizing for voice search really needs to think about, does all the written content on their site accurately convey who they are does it is it useful does it answer the questions that people are likely to have about that uh, product sector about that industry about the topic that they operate in um, they're kind of quite short-term tactical things is there a is there a bigger picture is there a longer-term strategy i mean to lay the kind of you know paving stones for the next five years i mean what, what should i be doing now based on where voice search is going? I think the most practical way that we can think about the next sort of five, 10 years, and it's never really altogether practical because of course, I'm you know, gazing into the future, being very speculative. But if we follow the trend lines and look at where they're, they're probably going to go, I would be really thinking about that. You know, people talk about a brand voice. When people are planning that, and they're sitting having their, their annual meetings about, you know, we've all seen these presentations, but right? this is what our brand says, this is what we don't say, this is what we look like, you know, this is, if we were an aftershave, we'd be this, and you know, all those kind of presentations. That should now be including SEO. We should be thinking, what does our voice sound like on our, our website? You know, what, what would it be if we had our own voice? And that's where I think this could be headed, where a brand not only could have Google read their content back, but that we could have audio clips within our, our pages that would be played through Google, that it would just say, here's an answer from whoever, Geico, Adidas, whoever, would be able to play that straight through. So if it's able to understand audio much better, and we can see that Google is indexing podcasts, so the, the technology is there, 
And it's even helping people navigate to the point within a podcast that answers their query. Mm. It's a huge shift in how that works. Now, brands aren't really working with that yet. But if you did have audio within your landing pages and you had your own brand voice and you were answering some of these queries, why wouldn't Google serve you up? Wouldn't that be a better experience for the user to hear directly from the most authoritative brand in that space? So I think that could be a big part of it. Now, if I were to look very broadly, and this is where I probably have most of my, my interest in these things, about what these companies are up to, why they're spending so much money, and it's everyone. You know, this isn't just Google going after this. It's Amazon. Apple have just spent over $100 million on a company called Voices to improve Siri. Facebook are in, in voice. Obviously, we've got uh, the likes of Alibaba, Xiaomi. Huawei is developing its own um, assistant now that it's you know, kind of out of the, the US-based Android ecosystem for the moment. Why are they doing this? It, it isn't even just to answer those queries. We're, we're thinking about it, or at least I'm thinking about it. Um, I'll spare the innocent. It, it's my failing. Thinking about this as looking in Google Search Console, and I can filter by voice, by text, and I would filter by voice, and I would see all of these queries written down. And that would be incredibly useful. But if we're looking further into the future, and you know, I'm getting a bit more sci-fi about it, Every time that we speak, we're giving something more away. So Google um, is, has obviously just bought Fitbit for you know, a lot of money. It's very interested in the health space. And I saw just yesterday, there's been a study from like the American Heart Association that finds that they can um, predict heart defects through people's voice, uh, kind of their voice fingerprint, the way that you speak reveals because wow. the same nerves that work with your voice work with your heart. So there are anomalies that come through in the way that you speak that can pinpoint that in five, 10 years, you're going to have issues with different, um, different heart conditions. That's the kind of thing that can be very profitable. If you are the people that are being spoken to, you're capturing and pinpointing those issues and you have all of their health data. So you're wearing a Fitbit, you're in the Google e ecosystem, you're surrounded by voice-enabled devices that are constantly listening and it can start to pinpoint those things. That can be a huge, huge business. We all know that the healthcare industry has struggled a bit to, to kind of transform digitally in the way that others have for a lot of very good reasons, very complex, very difficult to do. But now the likes of Google and Amazon are getting into that. And I saw in an Amazon patent where <laughs> anyone that's seen any of my, my previous stuff, yeah, both people, will uh, surely, <laughs> surely have seen me use this because I, I love this one, where Amazon has, has had a patent approved where Alexa would um, be able to listen to you and understand, for example, if you cough, well, different significance at the moment. But if you were to say, I'm hungry and cough and sniffle, now, the search query there is, I'm hungry. You're saying to it, yeah, show me some recipes. But Alexa responds by saying, would you like a recipe for chicken soup? So it's gone beyond what is said. Listen to the other cues that are around it. I thought, okay, this person's sick. Then the person says, no, uh, I prefer something else. And Amazon is then able to order them cough drops. So 
as marketers, what, what are the queries here? What's, what's really happening? If, if I just saw I'm hungry coming through my search console and I'm still thinking in my 2010 way, you're not really seeing that much. But what if Google and Amazon and the likes were able to group together those kinds of, of revealing factors? What if they could sell those as intent signals, as in-market segments? So at the moment, they're looking at things like, you know, I looked on what car web, uh, website, so maybe I want to buy a car sometime soon. You know, that's really how a lot of it works. But if they were able to pick up on how I ask certain questions, that I'm interested in certain things, or even the way that I ask about business insurance, <laughs> I was going to say maybe I sound excited. I, I can't imagine anyone ever does searching for business insurance. But if they're able to pick up on predictive cues like that and group them, then you could bid on those intent states. So rather than bidding on keywords, you bid on people who are properly in market for the product. I would be amazed if that's not the case in in within this this the twenty twenties at some point. I mean, you know, it's like the inferred um, demographic data that you can target in Facebook, for instance. It's, it's so you know some of it's inferred, and um, so it's not maybe data that people have proactively gone and entered into the system. And uh, and likewise, there'll be a drop down for you know certain yes yeah, sicknesses or it, that are inferred or certain in, like say intense states or uh, and life stage and stuff like that. I mean, God, you think about how much you know Amazon really wants to know when you've had a baby, for instance, which you know has happened to me in the past, and then they're all over you for like telling you what you need to buy at all the different stages and what have you. And but this takes it a whole step further to work out what kind of baby you have and what they're into and what they react to and what times in the night they're up and all sorts of stuff, right? That's the goal for them, isn't it? To have this, we were already being fingerprinted by our text searches and things like that and, re, you know, remarketing data. But this is that like a whole other dimension of granularity, detail um, that we can be targeted with. So, I suppose I, I don't know what what's the action there for a marketer. It's to be, I mean, it's to be there. It's to be present and be available online. It's to have your definitely be in the right places and have your products there available to buy, well indexed. What what else could we do as a marketer to prepare for that future? Yeah, I think when we're looking at a lot of these kind of trends, it's tricky because there are. Different things come out pretty much every day, you know, and the, the way that companies move is, is a bit of a zigzag. You know, they go in one direction and then they go back. And if, as a brand, you're following those updates, it's it's hard to know if you're coming or going. And it's, it's if you're a marketer working in an agency in particular, it's hard. You, know, you, you provide this advice to the client and then a week later, you know, like the meta descriptions, they made them longer. Yeah. I thought that was permanent change them back. And you've got a lot of people then going, actually, can we just call that back? And it takes ages. Now we're working quite slowly. So the best way to approach something like voice is to have one eye on the customer, the journey that they're going through and how they're expressing that. So what are the ways that they're able to get that message across? And then have another eye on what is the technology actually capable of doing at this moment in time? And you can start to phase that because you can get too far ahead of these things. You know, I've certainly trialed things that search engines just haven't been able to do. Things like actually embedding audio clips and trying to use structured data to get those played through searches. I know they're not expensive. They're just my little trials, but they're not ready for that sort of thing. So there's no point doing it. You, know, you could, for example, you could remove all of your you know, SEO content today and replace it with 
you know, interpretive dance because it really conveys your message <laughs> and gets across to the intense state. And it might be the most beautiful thing in the world, but if a search engine can't understand it, yeah. you're not going to get there. So the closer you are to the customer, what they're doing today, what they're interested in, and you know, those things don't change as quickly as the expression of them. So if you're thinking of, you know, if you are a an automotive brand, well, what are some of those trigger points that you know exist in people's lives? How are you creating content that caters to those? How are you there? How are you findable? And then you're, you're always thinking about the most important thing. So just keeping close to what the customer's trying to do and trying to filter that through a search engine. How can I use a search engine to connect what we do, what we have to say with that person at the other side? That tends to put you in a much better position than focusing on it through looking at the customer through the lens of a search engine. Because a search engine is always changing. I think you're better starting with what the customer's doing. And then you always have to look at that bit. Like I said, you won't get any traffic if you're not thinking about how the search engines function. I, I think I think this and all the devel- developments that are happening at the moment um, and, and changing consumer behaviours are pushing all marketers to focus on creating the best quality content that serves the customer need that's not for the brand, it's for the customer. You know, it's for people out there, it's for the audience primarily. And there's still a lot of marketers yet to make that switch, you know, that rewiring in their heads of realizing they've got to create the best content for people out there, not just branded content or brand content. Um, so the, the, you're talking about the various assistants and uh, Amazon users Bing. So we're all very obviously Google focused and have been for years and kind of forgotten that any other search engine exists. Do we need to start getting our heads around Bing and, and paying more attention there? Yes. So if if people start using Amazon a lot more for their searches, then they're going to be getting a lot more Bing results coming through. So I think a lot of marketers have have cottoned on to this. It's more popular in, in the US than it is elsewhere. But you know, Bing has started to release some interesting features in its through its knowledge graph and with little comparisons and taking slightly different approaches to to Google. So it's definitely worth looking into your traffic to see if that's significant. For some companies it can be, you know, five, ten percent, which is definitely worth looking at. You know, it's it can be a sizable number of of visits for for some companies. So it's often, I think you're right to mention, it's often missed that Amazon will default to Bing to get its answers. So I would definitely recommend at least having a look at that data to see if it's worthwhile. Of course, it's not you know, chalk and cheese. You're still trying to optimize content and a lot of the same structured data formats will apply equally across them. The main thing would be looking at the search results page features that show up in Bing versus in Google. So of course, you'll have classic links. Of course, you might have images, you might have videos, but Videos will be pulled from different places. There won't be the same YouTube dominance that we're seeing. You know, YouTube has been the biggest winner in Google search results this year, which is yeah. a surprise to absolutely no one. And how it answers those rich snippets. Now, do you have to structure content a little bit differently to get in with Bing rather than Google? There are small differences, but I think they can can be quite significant. And you, you talked in your webinar about... I think you touched on how marketing in general is becoming more conversational with the consumer. You used a, a Spotify example. Um, that's what I took from it anyway, that um, marketing is, I mean, of course, with the advent of social media, we start, we were pushed to become more conversational with people and voice and audio are just kind of taking that to the next level. Um, so talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, I like the example of, 
platforms like Spotify and I think some more interesting ad formats from from Pandora in the US. It's a very similar platform to to Spotify, not the charm bracelet jewelry people, the the audio Pandora. Yeah. yeah. So have to make that distinction. Now, what I like about those is that they're not taking conversational marketing and assuming that you want to be best pals with BMW. I I barely want to hang out with my best friends, never mind with with a brand in my living room, you know, it's specific to me. But um, but yeah, I I, I wouldn't be looking at it that way and that we can be almost chummy with people. The, The Spotify example and Pandora as well have ad formats that will play and the listener can say, okay, send me more information or, oh, I'd like to know more about that or skip. <laughs> you know, it puts them in control. It gives them the opportunity to get you know, more information on their own terms. And that seems much more in line with today's customer. You know, the big shift, of course, has been having these smartphones where we can always access what we need on the go. It's not up to brands to decide what we should be listening to or what we should see. It has to fit in alongside that. So in audio, there are really good ways to do that. At the moment, it's you know, quite succinct. It's not about asking you, you know, how's your day going? And you know, would you like a test drive? It's literally just playing the ad and you can skip it, which means the brand doesn't pay for it, which is good for them. And you can have more information sent. So say, send more to my, um, my email address or send more to wherever. Text me more details. Now, the other thing that people then look at with conversational kind of marketing is, of course, uh, chatbots. So that seems like a very natural place. The clues in the name, you can have a lot more kind of conversational uh, interactions with a company there. And that seems more likely to be merged into things like um, WhatsApp and Messenger than within the search results themselves. Because the big challenge in this, and I've tried to think ways around it, and I'm sure somebody out there has come up with a better solution than, than I have, where if we... You know, coming back to this idea of trying to be you know, practical, what, what does this mean? If you're being more conversational today, if there's a chance to interact with people, what does that mean? Because we all know that Google is crawling and indexing our content. It has to be in a fixed place. It has to you know, exist somewhere on the web. So you can't just write every single possible conversation into your web pages and then hope Google serves it. So a lot of it exists in databases that are pulled through through chatbots. And that's Mm. the best way to do that at the moment. I would imagine that search itself will become more conversational. I mentioned the Google Assistant really coming to the fore in Google Chrome Mm. and really trying to push that as more of a way of of interacting. So that might lead to a more conversational search journey. At the moment, just because of how fixed content has to be, it's tricky. Unless you were to write transcripts and have the worst experience ever for most people, the search engine can't really do that. So audio ads, definitely, you can speak to them. Uh, you can ask for more information. You can skip them. Say you're not interested. Chatbots are you know, getting much better, often used for customer service, but could be an assistant. You know, They could help you go through a website. Say, I'm, I'm looking for my gray shirt. I can't find anything that's <laughs> plain enough for my taste. Say to the chatbot and it can help you. For search, I think that the Google Assistant is going to be really key there. Is it a realistic action for marketers at the moment to create Google Actions? Have you seen any brands do that well? Yes. And I'll just clarify what that is. A Google Action or Alexa skill, it's like an app or 
applet, a mini app, uh, created by third parties on Google's or Amazon's platform. And certain queries trigger these and then you enter into them and then you're in the applet and it's got its own audio, its own voice. Um, the uh, the one I use the most currently is uh, one that makes fart sounds uh, because my little boy finds it hilarious. But have you seen any brands doing these well? Yeah, I mean, you can you can get good ones for. I think there's a, a tequila brand. I think it might be Patron that'll help you make cocktails. I think so. You can say you know, Google talk to Patron, and you can have it guide you through. Of course, it's going to nudge you towards tequila-based stuff all the time. Um, Tide, the detergent people, there are over 200 different types of stain. So you can speak to them and say, like, I've just spilled you know, red wine on my, my shirt. How do I get that out? And it can, it can help you out with that, that sort of thing. So there are, you know, there are useful things you can do. The interesting bit, though, is so, so many companies, and I'm sure some people out there will be thinking, we did this. You know, we, we, we made an Alexa skill. We all went away on a course and learned how to do it. And you know, Amazon puts on these day-long workshops to get everybody on board. And then nobody ever used it because you've got another point of friction. You know, you have to enable it. And there's a, a whole store, which is another SEO challenge. <laughs> how do you understand how to get to the top of the app store yeah. <laughs> within, within this or the skill store, as they call it, mm. and make sure people are, are actually using you? And for a lot of, of marketers who will be acquisition-focused, it often seems like more of a brand play, doesn't it? I mean, you're you're focusing on things like uh, the customer journey. I mean, you know, the Domino's one is really popular because it has a nice little voice and the guy talks back to you and lets you know when your pizzas come in. But if you're thinking about it from the position of selling more pizzas directly, uh, it might help later on. Maybe you come back. But as a paid search marketer, for example, you're not really, really too focused on that. So the ones I've seen that work well or even just little things like uh, Nutella sending out free samples to people when they make a certain vo voice query, they were sending out free samples to people, and then you've got the physical product, so you know you might go and buy it sometime later. But most of it is is novelty that I've seen at the moment, and the yeah. clues in the name. You know, it's Google. It's it's about actions, about just getting things done. More more sort of brand marketing. How do you stay top of mind? How do you link yourself to the name of a product or? You know, an, an action, so it's more subtle, but um, I don't think it's taken off in the way that that they would have expected. You know, there are tens of thousands of skills and actions out there, but it's a bit like apps on a phone. You know, how many do you really use when it comes down to it? Every company has one, but how many are you really using? The bigger way that this will work is integrating all of that into the core search, search journey. You know, any point of friction is a real problem. People have enough to do; they have enough technology. How can you fit seamlessly in and Often, I don't find that actions tend to do that too well. That's really interesting. Um, good. That's a good answer, that. Thank you. Uh, well, our, our time is up. Thanks so much, Clark. It's been such a fascinating view on voice search from someone who's clearly thought about it an awful lot. Tell listeners where they can find you on the web. LinkedIn is always great for me. Just search Clark Boyd, and there's only one of me, as far as I know. And uh, I have my, my little newsletter, High Tech, which has... Uh, a surprising amount of of subscribers. It's very good. I get it every week, and it's uh, yeah, a great addition to my inbox. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Well, I've really enjoyed that. Thanks very much for your time, and uh, chat to you soon. Thanks, well. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.